Welcome to Toffee Blue Opposition View. I'm Jerry. Yeah, as usual. Uh, so in preparation for Everton's big match against Crystal Palace this weekend, we had a conversation. Uh, we. Me. I did. I had a conversation with Terrence from a Homesdale Radio podcast. So yeah, here's my conversation with, uh, with Terrence. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, thanks a lot for being on the show, man. Appreciate it. No worries. Thanks for having me, Jerry. So... Uh, I think we we share a bit of a common bond this season. Um, it's <laughs> it's not it's not been a kind time to us. Uh, <laughs> uh, so really quick, so you've got you started off with Deboer as your as your manager. Um, mm-hmm. How do you think it went wrong for him? I think it went wrong in several areas. Uh, firstly, he probably shouldn't have been employed as our manager in the first place. Um, you know, Crystal Palace, we are what we are, uh, specifically a squad made up of players that like to hit on the counter-attack. And De Boer came in with all these ideas of turning us into Ajax or Barcelona or whatever you want, passing the ball around and moving and interchanging. And um, it all just happened too fast. There was, He said that it would ease us into playing that style of football. But it wasn't. It was immediate. We went to three at the back straight away and got hammered on the opening day of the season against Huddersfield and just looked awful, uncomfortable. The players didn't seem to know what they were doing. And then, so that's not really his fault. It's, you know, it's just the wrong appointment at a time from the board. But then on the other hand, supposedly wasn't too easy to get along with, which um, was probably the ultimate now in the coffin for him. So, I mean, it sounds like it was just an awful fit. Yeah, totally, yeah. It's, you know, Roy Hodgson's a much better fit. Um, but I think a lot of fans would have been disappointed if we employed Hodgson in the summer instead of De Boer. So it's kind of a lose-lose situation there for us. That's true. I mean, I know when we were interviewing De Boer last, last summer, uh, I, he was Evertonians, a lot of them, their first choice. Uh, because, mm. I mean, he came with such a solid pedigree. Um and so you're thinking this is this is a, this is going to work out, but honestly, when you go into a club that doesn't fit, who has personnel and players that are not your style at all, that don't mm-hmm. don't fit at all. I, I got to be honest, man. I, I totally see where you're coming from because the performances showed, um, mm. and it looks like the performances have been a lot stronger with with Roy. Yeah, they've, yeah, they've certainly picked up. I mean, uh, we had some really tough ones straight off the bat with, you know, having to go to United, having to go to City. And uh, we took the pounding at City as everyone else has been taking this season. Um, But post that, you know, we picked up a shock win against Chelsea. Uh, Hodgson's tactical awareness there really helps us out. Um, We didn't play with any strikers on the pitch. We had Zaha and Townsend quite high up, but they were moving all over the place to try and confuse the back three of Chelsea. And that really worked. And um, since then, he's really been getting his ideas across to the players. And with each performance that goes by, you can see we're more organized, we're more drilled. The players have plans. They know what they're doing. And it's really, really been going to show. Like, we lost 1-0 just before the international break at Spurs. But everybody who watched the game knows that we should have won that game. And it's just that the main problem for us has not been having able to get a strike on the pitch. So so do you think... Benteke being healthy helps, or does he fit into the style? Oh, well, Ben, you know, he scored 
what, 18 goals for us last season. Right. You if you're getting anyone who's scoring, scoring more than that in the Premier League, he's not going to be playing for Crystal Palace. So um, <laughs> he, he's, he's ideal for us. You know, outside of Benteke, when I, if I was asked who would your ideal player be to play up front in Palace's style, it would have been Benteke or Lukaku would have been my two choices wow. in terms of they're really, really good it, big players, interlinked play, can get in behind and can also hold the ball up well. So he fits the style perfectly, but we just need him to get hit the ground running hopefully on Saturday sorry to say that <laughs> well you know uh, with Benteke I always thought I've always found his hold up to play, play to be stronger than Lukaku's and I think he's better in the air that's the one thing about Lukaku is he's not as good in the air as one would think uh, like mm. and I take it back to the first year he was playing with us he got knocked out like going up for a header and scoring and and it's funny, like he didn't realize who had scored after he had gotten knocked out, and then we put him back on the pitch. Uh, but it's it's weird. Like after that, I didn't really see him going up and really trying to win any kind of fifty fifty balls with his head very often. It just doesn't happen very mm. very much. So I think Vintek is actually a much more valuable player in that regard. But I think Lukaku's got more pace. Um, yeah. You know. Well, I think Ben Seke last season won almost a hundred headers more than the person who came second Jeez. in most headers won in the Premier League. So he he wins a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm definitely envious of your gigantic target man because we don't have one. Uh, <laughs> uh, so uh, so let's talk a little bit about how Hodgson has changed some things up for you. Um, I know he. It seems like he's kind of gone back to a little more traditional foundation, a little bit uh, more what Crystal Palace does did before De Boer got there. Um, mm. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that, or has he changed anything else up? Well, at the moment, it's just we've switched to a four-four-two, but just out of necessity because we, as I say, we don't have a striker fit yet, and um, he hasn't been able to get Benteke on the field. So right. Townsend and Zaha have been playing in advanced roles. Uh, but they have a tendency to pull out wide because it's just that natural game and so on. So Hodgson has tried to sort of integrate that natural style of players, wingers, into as striker roles. So they one will drop into a sort of wide area, and if that happens, then it triggers the other one to get into a central area. And that's just basically giving them, this is your blueprint, that's it. It's quite simple. If one pulls wide, the other one goes centre. Right. Then that's sort of worked for us in this period and it's you know it's plastering over what um what is a disastrous hole at the top of the pitch i mean <laughs> palace fan it's i mean it's similarly to, to everton really you know you didn't bring in a proper striker in the summer we knew that we were only one injury away and um so he's done what he can there uh in in the midfield it's it's kind of a it's a strange one uh, luka milivojevic and johan gabay are striking up a good partnership in the middle um, they work very, very hard and complement each other well. But Ruben Loftus-Cheek is when he can get on the field because he's been had had a lot of niggly injuries through the season. He's been sort of pushed out wide left a little bit, where he's not really as effective because he doesn't really track back that well. He had, you know, he's getting fantastic plaudits over here for really his is. performances against Germany and and even when he was on the pitch against Brazil before he went off, he had a very good game. But from what I've noticed is he. Mourinho said it a couple of years ago, he just doesn't track back enough. And, um, you know, him playing wide left is not a great thing there. So if he is on the pitch playing on the wide left of the four, then that's definitely a way Everton can get us on the weekend. But um, the back four, 
we're weak at we're weak in uh, fullback positions. Uh, thankfully, I hate to say this, but thankfully Patrick van Arnholt is injured, so that <laughs> means that he can't he can't be on the pitch causing damage because my god, is he awful! And um, that's pushed Joel Ward across the left back, and Timothy Fosu Mensah is in at right back. So they looked a lot more solid against Spurs than we'd seen in previous weeks. So. Um, it's a simple four four two, really. That was just a long way around going to tell you that. <laughs> well, I mean, it, and it sounds as though a big part of this also is going back to a four four two. Your players know their roles; they know what they're mm-hmm. supposed to be do. I mean, doing. You, you mentioned your your you know Zaha and Townsend. Just it's a very simple concept when the other one, you know, <laughs> pushes up and the other one squeezes in. You know, it's you know what you're supposed to be doing uh, when you're mm. starting a new system. It, it can be a frustrating transitional period if you're given too much to think about too fast. Yeah. Um, so, um, so what players this season have surprised you in a good way? In a in a good way. <laughs> uh, um, well, Mamadou Sakho is um, well. Just signing him in the first place was surprising. I really didn't think that we'd be getting him. I mean, he's. I think. When we signed him, he would become the tenth most expensive defender of all time Jeez. in football. And Crystal Palace having that sort of accolade is just insane in my mind. You know, we nearly went out of business seven years ago for a couple of million, and <laughs> now we're signing world-class centre-backs for thirty million. But yeah, he's um, su- signing him was surprising, but he's just been excellent. He's a brilliant, brilliant player. Uh, but Loftus Cheek has been a big surprise. I- I've already talked about him before. I didn't. I really didn't expect he was going to come and be as good as he was you always when you get players on loan from other clubs you're always thinking if he's already 21 22 why isn't he already in the starting 11 there or at least pushing for it and so on and when i'd seen him in the past on tv it never really looked anything special to me but he's next to impossible to get off the ball he breezes past players he rarely gives the ball away when he's passing and he's just looks really, really good. And he's already been very unlucky this season not to um, grab a couple of goals, like hitting the woodwork a couple of times, getting the goal, drawing really good saves out of goalkeepers. So um, he's due one, I hope. Uh, as well as you know, as talented as he's as he's seeming, you almost you have to sort of be asking yourself the question, you know, at the end of the season, uh, any chance of him coming back, you know? Because uh, if I mean, because he's on loan, right, from Chelsea. Yeah. yeah, we have him for the season, and maybe it will be extended into another season on loan. But I don't think we have any chance of signing him permanently. Really? Um, when a player when a player can stroll onto the international stage, be in the middle of the park in what is his twenty first competitive <laughs> football match, and look like he has all the time in the world, um, I think he's destined for slightly bigger things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I will. I will say, uh, you know, it does seem like players are enjoying their football a little bit more now, though. For you, you know, which is mm. which is that's a that's a big part of kind of climbing the table, um, uh, or at least they tell me because we've only gotten one win. So I'm <laughs> I'm hoping them having enjoying themselves is a good thing. Uh, <laughs> um, so. I've I've gone one way with the surprise you in a good way. What about the players who have disappointed you? Maybe you're expecting a little bit more from them. Um, I mean, Joel Ward has been a, a kind of a he's been a strange player for Crystal Palace down the years. We signed in our promotion season, um, and in the first few games, he just looked awful. Couldn't block crosses, couldn't win headers, couldn't get tackles in. Looks really really bad. Then 
over the next couple of seasons, like Tony Pulis came in and made him a really solid defender, got got his basics right, and he looked like a really good player. And there was genuine calls for him to get an England call up. But then over the last couple of years, he's just declined and mm. gets worse and worse and worse. And now it gets to the stage that you know you're always hoping that this will be a new season, fresh start for him, and he'll kick on. But it just it hasn't happened again this season. I mean, he's been moved over to left back. Uh, in the last game against Spurs, and he looked a lot better there. But he's just he just looks so error prone all the time, and it's it's really disappointing to see that you know. The, and the main reason we pin down to it is that he's had zero competition at the entire time he's been at Crystal Palace. We haven't had another right back, and because he's fit and healthy and never gets injured, we haven't seen the need to sign him any competition. So he's just regressed as a result of not being pushed from. Um, off the field so yeah he's been, he's been the main disappointment really yeah lack of competitions usually gonna yeah. hurt uh we've we're starting to see a little bit of that we don't have a lot of competition for our left back spot and uh Leighton Baines yeah. who you know I'm just always gonna think is awesome regardless I mean <laughs> he uh I mean he doesn't look completely like the exact same player as previous seasons um, and it could be a little bit of a lack of competition in training. Um, it's just good to have somebody pushing you that, you know, if for some reason you start slouching, they, you can put them in and then your team doesn't lose anything. That's, we're still, we were, we've been trying to figure out the Seamus Coleman thing too, our right back position. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so let's, let's get to this weekend. Um, how are you thinking uh, you guys are going to line up? Uh, well, we're hoping that Christian Benteke will be back. And if Benteke is back, then I imagine you'll see us move back to a 4-5-1 stroke 4-3-3 formation. Mm. So you'll have Benteke up with Townsend and Zaha. And, um, you know, whenever I say that, that's definitely not a front three that should be at the bottom of the Premier League, that's for sure. Not at all. <laughs> uh, no. Um, the interesting position will be in centre-mid so um, Kabai and Luka Milivojevic will be starting, assuming Milivojevic is uh, he's supposedly picked up a very small injury on international duty, but I expect him to start with Kabai in the middle. And then it depends if Loftus-Cheek is fit. If Loftus-Cheek is fit, then he'll obviously start in that midfield three. If he doesn't, then it's going to be interesting to see who plays because James MacArthur uh, is, you know, a very, very apt replacement, but he's not played so much this season. So he, it will probably be a bit rusty and not so much yeah. fit. So it'll be interesting to see who goes in there. And it could be Jeffrey Slut, which would, you know, he's more of a wide player, yeah. but he's been, he's been playing a very narrow wide midfield role in the last couple of weeks to just sort of, run around and just get in the way basically that's all he's been there to do and he's done a very good job there so he might take up a similar role and then it will be Sacco and Dan at centre back with Fossey Mensah right back and um, Joel Ward left back and thankfully Julian Spironi will be in goal over um, Wayne Hennessy who's now finally lost his place after being uh, simply terrible for about three years. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that little because because I remember a few years ago Spironi was a was frankly doing a good job for you. Um, but mm. I wasn't sure if it was an inner, inner, an injury that kind of kept him out for a little while. And then Hennessy came in and he sort of looked the part and he had a few good games in the beginning. Um, but yeah, I, I see Speroni playing and it seems like, I don't know, it seems like it's more than just performance. It also seems like an energy that he brings to you guys. 
Well, he's, you know, club legend. I think he's fourth place in all-time appearances for the club. Uh, every time he steps onto the field, you know that he's going to be giving absolutely everything he has for the team because, you know, he's had many opportunities down the years to leave us when we've been in bad times and he hasn't done it. He's, you know, ingratiated himself into the community. Like, he lives very local to the ground. Um, he's very involved in the community around there and loves everything about the club. So... He, underst- he understands our fans. He gets it. He always he always does the right things, always says the right things, always comes over at the end of the game and claps the fans and all the sort of things you want. And he just, when you when he's on that field, you you know you're getting a Crystal Palace player playing. Where with Wayne Hennessy, unfortunately, he's just been very injury prone. I mean, it's the reason I think Hennessy fully claimed his place in the end was basically down to Alan Pardew doesn't like people being more popular than him. <laughs> so he, he 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 puts them in their place, and that's what he did with Spironi. He put him on the bench and put Hennessy in goal, and and that was that. Wow, you know what though? I can totally see it. You know, mm-hmm. it sounds it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But I can totally see that. I think <laughs> he he eliminated all of our leaders one by one. Sent got rid of Mile Jedinak, who you know he scored a hat trick today for Australia in a yeah. World Cup playoff game. Um, he got rid of all of the characters who he perceived to. You know, take away his role as the man at the club. Um, so he did a lot of damage to us, Pardew, but I'm not going to go into that. I was going to say, it might, <laughs> we might be here for another uh, half hour, <laughs> frankly, it sounds like. Um, so uh, let's impact players. Um, I feel like I can kind of guess where you're going to go with this, but um, I'm curious what you're thinking, if Benteke, if Benteke plays, and then if, if he does not. Oh, even if he's playing or if he's not, it's Wilfred Zaha. Zaha, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's um, he's he's world class. I have no other word to describe it. There's lots of fat opposition fans don't seem to realise just how good he is, and that's fine with me. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, the longer it takes people to realise, the longer we're going to have him. Um, I already think he's too good for us, um, and uh, it will just be down to once bitten twice shy kind of scenario after the Manchester United situation right. if he eventually leaves you know again he's a South London boy absolutely loves the club loves the area has a big family in the area and is very comfortable there so um, as long as he's in that situation I, I, I don't really think he's going to leave in in any sort of you know in the next couple of seasons and even if he does leave i think it's going to end up being a very big move because right. he's added he's added the numbers to his games now he's got the goals he's he's getting the goals he's getting the assists in previous years for palace it would only be a few assists a season and a couple of goals but now you're talking 12 13 14 assists and 10 goals mm. that's a massive difference when mm. you know the bigger teams come knocking yeah he's a he's one of my favorite players to watch in the league just because he's absolutely mm. electric um, and he's not afraid. That, that's, I feel like that's something that's happening a lot. Uh, a lot of players, even if they're quick, they, they stare down the defense and they just turn around and play around the back a little bit more. We, said, we see that a lot. Um, I just love, I love watching a player unafraid. They look, they look at the defense and they think to themselves, I know I'm going to get past this guy. I know it. And yeah. Zaha is yeah. just one of those players who seems like he's already past them when he's in front of You know what I mean? Like he's already decided <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we won a, a couple of seasons in a row at um, Goodison Park, basically based on 
Zaha and Balassi. Balassi, uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> well, it was just, you know, we, I couldn't believe it really. It was um, and probably one of the reasons why Martinez ultimately ended up losing his job. But like two games running, Baines and Coleman were playing as left and right wingers. Zaha and Balassi are the opposite wingers and they just went thank you for all of this space yeah, and ridiculous. took full advantage of it and um, yeah we won th- it was 3-2 both games and yeah but you've got Balassi now and hopefully he'll be back fit you know I, I don't like to see players get injured and he is um, he's a joy to watch he is Yannick well he seems like such a nice guy too you know at least on social <laughs> yeah. media and everything you see the videos he posts he just seems like such a, a positive guy and he's just one he of those is. people where you're hoping he gets gets close to to back to where to where he was before. I just remember mm-hmm. watching him play against. It was always against us, it seemed, uh, <laughs> it, where he just looked like just a different gear, and not just fast, yeah. not just skilled, but also just more powerful. Just so hard yeah. to get off the ball. It just. Uh, I've got to be honest. I was super happy when we bought him, and I feel like I was in the minority. You know, mm. uh, but then he got injured and he it just kind of breaks your heart. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, oh, but yeah, Zaha, just an absolute class player. I, I honestly, I hope he stays there for a while because I think uh, I do. Think, I think it's I think it's good for him. I really do. Um, but uh, so uh, quick, uh, let's can you give me a little prediction of what you think uh, score is going to look like? Um, I've, it's probably kind of important for us to win and Roy Hodgson down his uh, career has been very based all of his stuff on his home form and you know he's already he's he only lost his first game which you know he'd been in charge for two days against Southampton and then since then we've got um, a win and a draw so we need to get back to Fortress Cellars as it was in the first couple of seasons we we're in the Premier League where we really you know put some great results together there um, so as much as I'd like to say a win, I think a draw is probably more likely. So my prediction will be a 1-1. Get out of my head. Literally, <laughs> get out of my head. The same thing I was going to say. Literally the same score. Not just a draw. I was going to say 1-1. Mm. Uh, now it sounds unoriginal. Now it sounds like I'm just copying you. That's not cool. <laughs> well, I predicted 1-0 against Spurs last week. Two Spurs. So um, I'm, I'm on a good run of predicting at the moment. That's a, you know, and to be honest with you, right now, I know a lot of Everton fans will will say that they they want to win this weekend, and I do want to win. But you know what? I, I like positive results. So I, mm. a draw at Palace, I still think it's tough to play at Palace. I do. Um, mm. In Sellers Park, when y'all first came, I I loved watching y'all play because your fans, your your atmosphere is awesome. It's yeah. yeah. It was definitely a USP for us. I mean, you know, we're, I'm really worried that it will slowly drift away with the longer we stay in the Premier League. Um, you look at Stoke to that. Stoke was similar to us when they got promoted. Very, very loud and noisy support. And it's just got worse and worse as the years mm-hmm. have gone by. So uh, hopefully we'll find a way to keep the passion going. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm thinking your results will play a big part of that, one would think. Mm-hmm. You know, getting those positive results. Um, so, last question. All right, I'm throwing out the football for a little while, unless unless it deals. It's it's your subject matter. Uh, favorite favorite movie. Ah, so my favorite movie. So it's a Guy Ritchie film called Snatch. Oh, I love it. So the one with Brad Pitt, uh, yeah, Benicio del Toro. Yeah, um, you know it's <laughs> it's filmed is is very much based on where I was brought up. Um, it, most of it is filmed right near my house, uh, where I was brought up as a child. Um, 
the humor in it is exactly my kind of humor. Um, Brad Pitt is just unbelievable with it. I, I have no idea how he didn't win some sort of supporting Oscar for that. It was because he, the way he played the gypsy boxer was just absolutely incredible. Um, it's, and yeah, it's it's hilarious. It's you know that and Lockstock are Guy Ritchie's two films. Those are my two just, favorites, you know, man. Those are my two Guy Ritchie yeah. films. Oh, I'm so glad yeah. you said that. That's such a good choice. I haven't seen those <laughs> movies in so long, but there was a period where I just I bought both those movies. And you know, before mm. Netflix, so I'm tipping my hand. I'm old, uh, but you know, I bought those movies and literally go go out to the go out to the bars, come home, watch Lockstock or Snatch. I mean, it's just... Yeah. <laughs> I just walk around doing brick top impressions all the time. <laughs> Do you know what Nemesis means? Oh, gosh. My brother would <laughs> randomly call me and say that. <laughs> Do you know what... Oh, it's so good. Oh, man. Yeah. And, the, and you know what? I, the, uh, the editing, the way they transition mm. from scene to scene, the way they kind of use those, those insert shots, like really close ones. You know, I think Edgar Wright does a lot of the same stuff in yeah. his films. But, yeah, good, good stuff, man. I... Again, whenever somebody tells me their favorite film on here, uh, it tells me a lot about them. So that's really cool. Uh, <laughs> so uh, thank you so much, uh, Terrence. Uh, Holmes, Holmesdale Radio Podcast. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm psyched to have gotten the opportunity. You're, you're my, uh, frankly, you are the first Crystal Palace supporter I've ever spoken with. I'm serious. I, well, I, they, I, there's, I barely get to talk to Everton supporters. In, in America. There aren't a whole lot of those either, to be honest with you. So it's, it's, it's yeah. just awesome, man. I really thank you for your time, definitely. No worries. Happy to do it, mate. All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll be uh, talking to you on, on your show here in a little while then. You will do indeed. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. So that was my conversation with Terrence from Holmesdale Radio Podcast. So anyway, that's it. Uh, if, you, uh, if you could do us a favor and please subscribe to our uh, to our channel, that would be wonderful. Um, if you're digging the videos, like, leave, leave a comment. Do you have a, do you have any questions? Do you have any opinions about the uh, Everton Palace game this weekend? Be great to hear from you. All right, I guess that's it. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>